0: Thank you, JJ. As he said, uh, my name is Tim, and I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and we're so glad to have you. Uh, Those of you, this may be your first time, first exposure to Shepherd's Gate. Uh, Maybe you've checked us out maybe for a couple weeks now, and honestly, the service is designed for you. Uh, We want to give you a taste of who we are and just a little bit more about us as you pray, as you seek where it is that maybe God would be calling you to plug into, a church that maybe uh, is in the community that you live, that uh, that wants to be a blessing to you. And so as we've done with all of our outdoor services, what we do is we actually start a brand new sermon series, which is which is just a series of messages on the outdoor service. They're three-week series because we always, on the fourth week, go back to having an outdoor service. And so today we're starting a brand new sermon series we're calling SG Playbook, which SG stands for Shepherd's Gate. The name of our church. And what's really cool about this series is it gives you an idea of who we are and kind of the structure uh, that we have that goes on behind the scenes, but more importantly, the heartbeat of our church. And so one of the things that, that we feel that God has put on our heart is that our mission here at Shepherd's Gate is to impact the world with the love of Jesus, that we don't just exist on this planet for ourselves, that we exist to go out and to be a positive influence in our families, in our places of work, and in, yes, in the community that God has placed us, as well as any place that he would call us to serve around the world. And so just as we do Christmas services every year, and we do Holy Week and Easter services every year, we always take time to talk about the vision that God has given us here at Shepherd's Gate. And so for many of you, you've been a part of Shepherd's Gate, you know this, and the reason that we do this every single year is because we know that vision leaks, vision leaks and sometimes we might forget just what it is that God has called us to do. So I'm excited to share with you today the first part of our three-part vision statement. Does anybody know our vision statement? Those of you that call Shepherd's Gate home, do you know what I'm about to say? Here here's none of you know the vision of Shepherd's Gate. This is great. This is not good. All right. Here here's here's a little teaser for you. It's on the banners over here and it's actually even on the tents that we have back there. The first part of our vision statement here at Shepherd's Gate is that we will value everyone we meet. Can we say that together? Value everyone we meet. And so the question is, as you think about your life, is that actually true? Do we actually value every single human being that we come in contact with on our planet? I would also tell you that I believe that this would be true as well, is that we find ourselves in a culture that is actually moving further and further away from real human interaction. Would you agree with that? Does anybody raise your hand and agree with that? I'll give you an example. How many of you like shopping at Meijer? Okay. I don't like going to Meijer. You know I don't like going to Meyer? I always feel that they have like 8,762 registers and none of them are ever open. And everyone is just forced to use the what? The self-checkout. I want to talk to a human being. I want to interact with somebody else. I want to brighten up someone's day. I don't want to just get in and get out and it be all about me and whatever I need to get, you know get from the grocery list that my wife gave me because the only time I go to grocery stores is when she needs to pick up this or that cuz she does most of that in our household. And then you think of the world we live in, you don't even have to go to a grocery store anymore. I remember a few years ago just sitting on my couch and the door ba- and the door uh the doorbell rang and you know who goes to the doorbell anymore right that doesn't exist like we don't people don't talk to their neighbors people don't ring people's doorbells anymore and I went to the door and I opened the door and you're not going to believe this but there was all these grocery bags just sitting on the front patio and they were full of groceries someone went to the gro— you guys know about this someone went to the grocery store and bought everything that we needed and then they waited to ring the doorbell once it was all there and they were gone. I couldn't even say thank you to them. Any of you, you do this, you do this at-home stuff? I mean, think of how many stores now do this. Again, there's this movement away from real human interaction, and then you look at our church and we say, oh, no, we're a church that exists to value everyone we meet. Well, we got to figure out how to meet some people, right? How about this as well? We also live in a culture that promotes an us-versus-them mentality. It's always us-versus-them. We even have t-shirts, right? It's Detroit versus everybody. It's me versus everybody. It's protecting my family and doing what's in the best interest of my family. And I'm going to do whatever I can to get my kids ahead and, you know, maneuver things around and so that it's all about me. My wife told me a couple weeks ago, she was driving one of our sons and he just happened to have a bunch of his classmates in the back of the vehicle. And this is what I love about having young kids. I don't think they think that we can hear them when they're talking. And she came home and she said, you're not going to believe the conversation that these boys had in the back of our car. I said, oh, man, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. And she said the entire conversation of these boys in the back of our car was about how all of their dads have road rage. That literally, like when you're in the car and dad's driving, everybody on the road, they're morons, they're stupid, they don't know how to drive, get out of my way. Maybe even some other choice words. Apparently one dad, every time he swears, he apologizes to the kid, swears again, apologizes to the kid. That may or may not be me, just being honest this morning. But when mom's driving the car, and when the other moms are driving the car, they say that, it says weird, it's like there's no morons on the road anymore. There's no jerks on the road anymore. What has happened to us? Why are we living in this culture? And what's so cool is when we open God's word, we read scripture, we learn just how incredible Jesus was with three years, just three years of ministry, how he had an incredible ability to slow down his life and to interact with people face to face, make eye contact with them, listen to their needs, Grieve with them if they were grieving. Rejoice with them if they were rejoicing. And what an example that he has set for us. And so this morning, I want to read an account of Jesus having this type of interaction found in John chapter 4. Maybe some of you are familiar with this account. It says this, Now Jesus had to go to Samaria. So he's out and he's going town to town, village by village. And he comes to a town in Samaria called Sychar. There's a well there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sits down by the well, and it was about noon. And so if you're new to church, you're new to the Bible, you're new to reading scripture, what's so cool about this is you can see John, one of his disciples, is writing this, but he's, he's basically telling you real accounts. He's saying, hey, this is a real place at a real time. In fact, I'm going to tell you that it's about noon that he's actually doing this. And here he is, he's tired. He's tired. Because he's fully God and he's fully man. So we can get, you know, gather comfort from this that he understands everything that we go through with our time here on the earth. Well, a Samaritan woman, she comes to draw water. And Jesus says to her, he engages in conversation. He breaks the ice and says, will you give me a drink? And it's just the two of them there because the disciples had gone into town to buy food check out how the Samaritan woman responds to Jesus. She says, hey, just so you know, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? Hey, Jesus, maybe you didn't get the memo. Maybe you don't understand how the culture works around here. But this is what think about how this has been going on for thousands of years. And here she's telling Jesus, you just need to stop. You don't realize, you know, the the dynamics that are taking place. And Jesus, full of love and grace and patience and mercy, says, if you knew the gift of God and what it is that ask, or who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, this would have been a new concept for her. Living water, what's living water? So, of course, she says, sir, because she doesn't know it's Jesus. She says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you some kind of magician? Do you have some kind of superpowers or something you know about this well and how to produce water quicker than everybody else that comes here and draws water? Jesus' answers her this way. Think of this. Everyone, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And it's such an incredible account because you can see the conversation back and forth as the woman's still trying to figure out what's taking place and she's, doing everything from the natural, from what she can see with her eyes and the world that she's used to living in. And every single time, Jesus is trying to elevate the conversation and get her to to see things with spiritual eyes and to hear things from a spiritual level. The woman again says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus, make my work life easier. Make my time here on earth easier. If you got some, you know formula for this and this is going to mean i don't have to come here every day yeah i want to be part of that and again jesus calls her up and he calls her and he tells her listen you are important you are valued and here i am sitting here investing in your wife so the woman says i know that the messiah is going to come and when he comes he's going to explain everything to us so you can get this you know, kind of idea of she knows that the world is temporary and it's short. She knows that one day the hardships of life will come to an end and she even knows that there's this promised Messiah. But she still doesn't know that it's Jesus until Jesus turns to her and the scriptures say he declared. And I love that that word is in there, that he declares this and he looks her in the eye and you make sure that she understands this, is I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Again, Jesus valued her when nobody else would. Jesus engaged with her when nobody else would. If you continue reading the account, you find out that the disciples came back and they see Jesus talking to her and they're so puzzled and they begin to talk amongst themselves because they're like, wait a second, they knew the rules, they knew the culture, they knew that this wasn't supposed to be taking place. And for me, as I read this story and I think of the culture that we live in, the people that we are around all the time, how do we value everyone we meet? You know, one way to do it is just to begin to experiment with yourself. Begin to live counterculture at the rate and the pace that everybody else does. I recently went to Costco. Any Costco people out here? Some of you are Sam's Club's people, kind of the same concept. And I had the two boys, my two boys with me. And I said before I got into the store, this is probably the worst time and the worst day to go to Costco. It's called Saturday afternoon. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to purposely slow my life down. I'm going to see how many people we can mess with in a good way today. God, would you give us opportunity to just have interactions with people at Costco? Isn't it interesting? We went to go and get a cart, and the poor cart guy had all the carts, and he's got the thing, and he's trying to push it in. And you wouldn't believe how many people cut around a cart guy that could do some serious damage if you run into the guy trying to put carts back so that people can have carts. You know what I'm talking about? So that was the first observation. The second observation, everyone was kind of waiting and just trying to grab a cart one at a time, one at a time. And the guy in front of us just happened to grab a cart, and the wheel started shaking. And He said, oh, this one's no good. And we had already started grabbing our cart, and we said, here, you can go ahead and you can have this one. And you know what the guy said? He was in shock. He said, no one ever does this anymore. And I looked at the boys because I want to make sure that they heard what he said. Then I said, all right, let's go, guys. We're on, let, let's do this. So we start going through Costco And I purposely walked slow. I probably annoyed everybody that was there. And I tried to connect eyeball to eyeball with as many people. I'm telling you, do this. It's crazy. People don't look at each other in the eyes anymore. Everybody's looking down. Everybody's looking at screens. Some people are talking on the phone while they're... I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And yet God has placed us in our culture, in our time, for such a time as this? What would he be challenging us to do? And again, maybe you're here today and this is your first time here. Maybe you're watching online and you're checking us out. We hope you come back next week or come back in three weeks when we have our next outdoor service so that we can get to know you, so that we can hear your story, so that we can find out about your life and your marriage and your kids and maybe some of the things that you're going through. And maybe just by listening, we can be a support and a help to you. It's kind of interesting that uh, when this church started, and this church is relatively young, it's only 43 years old, but when Shepherd's Gate started in 1980, there were 80,000 people in our community who weren't connected to a local church. And 43 short years, that number has now swelled to a half a million people in this surrounding community that don't have a church home. Isn't that incredible? Then I read another article this week that said this, that over the last several years, 25 million people in the United States have stopped going to church. It's 12% of the population. fact, it's the biggest shift. It's the biggest shift that they have ever seen, these people that track church attendance and people's behaviors and and religious affiliations. Why? What happened? What's going on in our world? Has this not become a a sacred space that that we see the need to, to connect with Jesus and to worship him and to pray for him and like we did with the kids, pray over our children and and raise them to fear and to know and to love God. This article was interesting because there was some scientists, researchers, that had spent years gathering this data and trying to figure it out. And I was actually kind of surprised the number one reason given from their data, their research, of why people stopped going to church. 25 million Americans. And you know what the number one reason was? Any guesses? No one this morning work. Because people are chasing after more money and more possessions and having to keep up with other people and wanting to stay ahead of the game and this competitive nature that where it's always again back to us versus them and what can I do and all of that combined in and then all of a sudden there's this data about now how that's starting to get transferred down even to our kids. I just want you to know folks if you're here today we would love to have the opportunity to walk alongside you, to be there for you, to encourage you. Because if you look around this place, what you'll find is people that don't have it all together. You can talk to my wife after the service. She'll tell you, I do not have it all together. But we need Jesus, amen? We need those times where he speaks into our lives and he challenges us and reminds us of what it is that he's done on the cross for us and that he rose from the dead, that he could give us life and purpose and peace. Even in a world that feels like it's upside down. And not only so, he places us in families and he places us in communities that we then could come alongside of each other and encourage and bless each other. So again, if you're here today, in whatever your circumstance is, I guarantee you there's somebody else here at Shepherd's Gate that's going through the same thing or has gone through the same thing and they would be willing to give up their most precious resource, which is actually their time to listen to you and to pray for you and to invest in you. So we want you to know that's what we're about here at Shepherd's Gate, that we truly believe to be a follower of Jesus, to walk in the ways of Jesus, that he has called and he's compelled us to value what? everyone we meet. Again, I'm so glad that you're here today on this special day, our backpack blessing day of praying over our kids. But this day is also an opportunity for us to pray over and pray pray a blessing over those who invest in our kids. And so if you would this morning, if you would, if you fall into this category, if you would be so kind as to stand, because we wanna acknowledge you and thank you and pray over you as well. And so if you're here this morning and you're a school teacher. Maybe you're a principal, or you're a coach, or you're a school administrator, or you work at a school. In in your line of work that you are influencing kids, could you go ahead and would you just do us the honor of standing at this time so we can recognize you? And could you stay standing for a moment here because Not only do we want to thank you, which is right and proper to do, we want to acknowledge that what you do is so important. And talking to school teachers, we know it's gotten harder and harder and harder. And you live in this tension of of wanting to fulfill your vocation and live that out and continue to pour into kids' lives. So again, thank you for what you do. And know that we stand beside you, that we're praying for you, that we are rooting you on. And man, do we value you and appreciate the work that you do. Amen, church? Will you give them a hand again?